0: Merry Christmas, Racer Nation, and welcome to episode 13 of the Racer Nation podcast. My name is Sawyer Lawson, broadcasting live on the growing Racer Nation podcast network. Joining me this Monday evening are our two other co-hosts, Austin Blakely and Logan Foster. And fellas, I feel like we say this every week, but the racers just keep giving us exciting and fun episodes, which tonight will be just the same. We can't wait to jump into our review of the racers' massive win, knocking off U2 Chattanooga 87-76 in an awesome night at the CFSB Center in a battle of two top 10 mid-major program so we'll definitely start there we'll move along quickly to dive into an in-depth look at our marquee matchup this week with the nationally ranked Auburn Tigers and to wrap things up we're gonna bring back the fan favorite sauce selection for some really fun discussions to kick you off towards Christmas and also also Logan's gonna give us a quick recap of our props contest and update everybody for where we are um, with that as we're getting close to halfway through the season so Austin Logan Merry Christmas and welcome to episode 13.
1: Merry Christmas boys. We are, we are off and running 10 and one start. Um, Two really good wins in the past week over uh, Tennessee Wesleyan and, uh, and UT Chattanooga and arguably the biggest test of our season coming up unless we make it to the the NCAA tournament and face somebody um, that's a really high seed. I expect Auburn to be up there. Um, But just a, Top to bottom, great team, and really looking forward to seeing how the racers play this Wednesday.
2: Merry Christmas, fellas, and Merry Christmas to everybody out there listening as well. And uh, you're right, Logan. A big, big test Wednesday night coming up against Auburn, ranked 12th in the polls this week, and I think their net rating is nine or something like that. So, so very high. But uh, we'll get to that later because we've got a huge game to talk about. Chattanooga, like Sawyer said. Pulled out the W, 87-76, scored a ton of points in that second half, and really got to play in racer basketball those last, really, 20, 23 minutes of the game, 24 minutes of the game. I remember listening, watching it on TV, and at that under-four timeout, I think we were down 11, maybe, and Kenny, Kenny made the point. He said, these last three minutes and whatever seconds are critical to how the rest of this game goes, and... And we we go and cut it to three right there before half and and just take off running and and really propel in the second half. But really great win for the racers against a highly rated in the net in the mid-major poll Chattanooga team. Like I said last week, props to Chattanooga went to Belmont and Murray State all in one week and uh, really tough, really tough swing for them. But you can't say enough about how the racers played in the second half. And it's really glad we uh, we came out with a win. Absolutely, Austin. You know the, the first half was was tough, but I think that this
0: whole game kind of summarized how we've been playing for the whole start of the season. We played tough in the first half, um, just keep it close with them, and then we explode in the second half for uh, to, to propel us to victory, as you said. But you know, the, the fir- at first glance, whenever I was looking at the uh, at the at the review of the ball game, you know, UT Chattanooga was as good as advertised. Um, pre- picked preseason, um, finished first in a SoCon, as we mentioned last week. Had the best front court and best back court in the whole conference, and I think you saw that firsthand with Malachi Smith. He came out hot, knocking down shots, and they showcased his ability to be, you know, soak on player of the year material. And then, you know, just look at the layup lines, Silvio De Sosa, he is a legit big man, and you can see why he put up the numbers he has so far, you know, averaging close to 15 points and, and seven rebounds a game. So You know, UT Chattanooga, to their credit, they they were hot. They they came out of the gate ready to play. They played their style of basketball. They hit a lot of contested shots, and they fought extremely hard. So, um, you know, I thought it was really big for us to you know fight tough and get over that hump. The 11 point uh, under uh, being down 11 points, and um, you know, we missed a lot of wide open shots. We were playing within the flow of the offense, but we just missed a lot of open shots. Kind of reminded me a lot of last year. Um, but once we finally got it going. It was great. Um, hit those three huge threes, Austin, as you mentioned, down that last three minutes and 50 seconds, including a massive three by Tevin. Um, that ended up being a, a, a sports center top ten play in number seven. And uh, I had the pleasure of sitting with, with Logan and, and Dan this past game, and, and Dan calls it out. He's like, Tevin's about to hit this. Pulls up, nothing but the bottom of the net.
1: Okay, so let me clarify something here. Dan did not say that. Sawyer's trying to be very humble. He is the one that actually said as soon as it left uh, (laughs) Tevin's hand that it was good. And ironically, it was from the same spot that he hit that, uh, that three against Missouri State a couple years ago, which meant a lot to some people. Um, even though we <laughs> lost by, I believe it was three points, but yeah, the first half just kind of looked sluggish. Like you said, couldn't really get in a rhythm. And that was with DeSosa off the floor. It was a time where I figured we would own the offensive glass, which we did not in the first half, um, go down low to KJ and get it, get some easy buckets. Um, and that just wasn't the case. So more of a testament to our second half and, and how well we played there.
2: You make a great point there with DeSosa. You know he he was such a big part of their offense so far this year. And I, like I mentioned last week, when I watched him play Belmont, he touched the ball literally every single possession down the floor. And and kind of like we mentioned, they they like to play really slow and methodical and really work the defense. And I think you saw that a hundred percent in the first half. And it was twenty seven or sorry seventeen minutes of chattanooga basketball and and the the, the times when the racers kind of looked okay and knocked down shots we were out running and getting some breakaways and ended up for the game outscoring them you know almost put up 20 points in fast break points and doubled them up plus on that but for most of that first half they were they were playing playing that style of basketball and it does not suit the racers and 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 you know guys that's that's our fourth game this year that we have – and probably the four best teams we've played, ETSU, James Madison, Memphis, and Chattanooga, that's four games this year we've really struggled in the first half. You know, I, I don't know if it's going to come back to bite us again eventually, but what I really like to move on more to the second half is is ETSU, we struggled in the first half. We're down double digits, and we did not respond in the second half. It was just kind of same old status quo, kept playing East Tennessee State basketball and you know made a little run at the end kept it close but ended up losing by eight same thing two days later against james madison down double digits in the first half boom huge run start playing racer basketball in the second half memphis we all know the story there down 14 boom come back huge run play racer basketball and then again we see it saturday night chattanooga down 11 start making that push right before halftime end up ballooning the lead to 16 with a minute and a half to go in the second half and and you know end up winning by those uh, 12 sorry 11 points there so it it was really good to it's really good to see they're taking that lesson from the ETSU game and really starting to run with it I don't know if we get down double digits this Wednesday night if it's going to be the same story uh, against a team like Auburn but it's just really good to see we can separate two halves of basketball and when we don't play well and only shoot 38% from the field and 26% from three, we can go then in the second half and shoot 60% from the field, 50% from three, and 84% from the free throw line, which was also really great to see. But I think that really goes back to the team chemistry and the toughness we're seeing this year. And I'll let you guys – that that was one one thing I really wanted to hammer on with this Chattanooga game. Because, you know, you even take a guy like K.J. Williams, a bona fide leader on this team. He's one of the top two guys on the team. And to make no bones about it, he struggled badly. Probably his worst game of the year so far. You saw him fight and claw and still make a difference in the last 10 minutes of that ball game. And that's the kind of stuff that's contagious. That's that toughness and team chemistry that this team did not have last year. We saw the same thing last year. We had double digit, uh, we were down double digit in the first half of many games last year. All f- all three of these games, James Madison, Memphis, and Chattanooga, we lose these games last year, 100% because that toughness was not, not there. And uh, it's just really great to see the players that they've brought in have, you know, and leaders emerging on the team that's really turned it around for racer Basketball this year.
0: Logan, <clears throat> I'm going to have you give us a quick recap on what happened um, during the first time out in the first half uh, for what Coach McMahon did. But first, I kind of want to talk about what I saw at practice this summer and leading up to the, to the games is, you know, when I got to see them scrimmage a little bit, Coach McMahon used the, the word that no one wants to hear in college basketball, the curse words, four letters, starts with an S, ends with a T, T, Soft. Coach McMahon, that first time out in the first half, came out and let his team know, let the whole building know they were playing way too soft. And you pointed that out to me, and you, you said that was going to be the turning point because, you know, he had to say it. It was what was going on, and he wasn't afraid to call his team out.
1: Yeah, the first time, really, this year that I've seen him very animated and really get into all of his players' grills. You know, it's kind of tough when you've got KJ and Tevin carrying – the load for you for most of the season, you have to go up to them and, and let them know that what they're doing is not acceptable down. Uh, what'd you say? 11 points in the, the first half. And ironically enough, after uh, about five seconds after coach McMahon said that they come over the the PA system and say, bring all your soft toys down to uh, the court for the, <laughs> the toy toss or whatever it was. Um, Great time. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect after Coach McMahon just pointed at every single player on the court and called him soft. And I think that really helped Coach McMahon set the tone for his team for the rest of the half. And Sawyer, I looked at you after Tevin hit that big half court three. And we're down thirty four thirty seven going into halftime. And it felt like we were down a lot more than that. Really no energy out of the team and which that having a Half court three be hit was was a big boost, but um kind of felt like we were down a lot more than three points at halftime. But come into the second half, and I tell you what, down the stretch, um one thing that stuck out to me was how fun it was to watch Malachi Smith and Tevin Brown just go back and forth.
2: That was probably the highest level matchup in the country all of Saturday night. Saturday night. It was Really amazing to to watch and see. And for for a team that prides themselves and a program that prides themselves on defense, for a guy to come in and, and put up 36 on you shooting 14 for 17 from the field, put up 36 and only hit one three-pointer, which is pr- pretty amazing. We, we knew he was a three-level scorer, could do it at the rim, could do it in the mid-range, and and was shooting 50% for three coming into the game and really didn't lean on the three-pointer at all uh, because he could get to the basket pretty much whenever he wanted. And he hit some really tough shots. It's not that the racers were just giving him, you know, the free drive to the basket. He was finishing with contact, finishing over KJ and DJ. And, uh, you know, one thing I noticed, we didn't see Tevin guard him a ton. I think Carter Collins took a lot of the role, and they threw Trey at him a little bit. And uh, I think it might be one of those things where it's like, dude's having an amazing night, let him get his and hold everybody else to uh, their their next highest player. Uh, Gene Baptiste had 12, which I know at least nine of those were in the first half with threes he hit. So one of those things, man, let him have 36 and keep everybody else under, you know, no one else was in double digits other than that.
1: Well, like you said, they were tough shots he was hitting. And he was getting to the basket, getting to his spot on the floor wherever he wanted to go, and making really tough shots. So hats off to the kid.
0: He looks good in blue and gold, but I think you'd look really good in the navy and gold.
1: Yeah, and as uh, we were walking off the or walking out of the stadium after the buzzer sounded, you look over on the opposite side of the court towards where Neil and Kenny are, and we had about four players sitting there talking to him, and so I was just uh, a little curious. I, hopefully, they put a good word in his ear. Hopefully, he likes the facilities we've got going on here. If if he wanted to find a new home, um, I don't think we would turn him away.
2: <laughs> no, not at all. And that was what was really cool about. He, he goes and puts up 36. And like you said, everybody's talking to him and congratulating him after the game. I don't think he said one word during the game. All he did was hit 14 shots, went perfect seven for seven from the free throw line, uh, grabbed six rebounds, and almost single-handedly, willed their team to victory.
1: And like you were saying, he didn't really say much during the game. If there was ever a controversial call or one of his players was hot, he wouldn't argue with the ref or or do anything out of the ordinary. He would turn and try and lead his team and huddle all of his teammates together and and get a plan going for whatever the next possession was going to be. And so really cool to see. I know this is his fourth year in college basketball, but as a sophomore, um, his team really looked to him, and, and you could tell he was the unquestioned leader on their team.
0: The other guy that we knew going into the game was going to be big was DeSosa. And <clears throat> just looking back at the game, and even while we were watching you know, in person, we had to give a hats off to all our post players. I mean, DJ, KJ, McMullen, and Skip shut them down, all of their bigs for the most part. Um, and, and Austin, as you mentioned, they ran their offense through DeSosa all season long, um, and especially against Belmont. And you can count on on the on one hand how many times he had easy bucket, easy, easy easy touches around the basket. He was having to fight for it, and holding him to only seven points on seven shots, only four rebounds, forced two turnovers. You know that's. That's outstanding against a, a player that is is already heralded as the uh, Socon newcomer of the year.
2: Well, and that that's going to be his first game since the second game of the year for them that he has not scored in double digits for him. So, really great. I thought DJ played some intangible minutes. He didn't score the basketball with only five points. Uh, he's going to have to work on his free throw shooting, but you kind of saw a little glimpse of it there at the end. I think he hit I think he hit three in the row three in a the row there at the end, but uh, played thirty three minutes. Did not get in foul trouble whatsoever and actually drew five fouls. So really impressive as long as he can get to the line and, and knock him down. But let's talk about there's one racer I want to bring it up, bring up a guy who might be coming off his worst game of the year. And like you said, Logan, probably hopefully his worst game ever as a racer, uh, not not talking about the Tennessee Wesleyan game. But but the, the Memphis game, Trey Hannibal struggled mightily. As we as we documented and comes back in the next big game we have and just post a plus minus of 16 highest on the team and really great gave some great minutes. I had 11 points four rebounds and played a lot of minutes out there and just uh, look to, you know, what we expect out of Trey Hannibal going up and seems like every game he has a huge timely rebound. That either gets us another possession or seals the game for us or something. He's up there just grabbing the ball as soon as it comes off the rim.
0: Yeah, I think that as much of, a, of an impact that Juice had off the uh, whenever he was on the floor last week, I think that Trey had this week. He just had that spark that brought us back. I know whenever he came into the ball game, like you said, Austin, a couple of times he just grabbed the rebound off the rim, took it 94 feet. All the way to the basket and got fouled or, or finished and uh, just doing those things that that impact winning uh, was was absolutely huge and and that's the deal with with this whole team is that it's got it's chock full of guys who in any given night can be the X factor and uh, you know you know Tevin had played out of his mind but having guys like Trey do what they do play hard and not worry about what happens in the box score is just what makes this team so much fun to watch and so much fun to 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 enjoy you know every single time we get to see them in action.
2: Trey also goes five for five from the free throw line, which we love to see. Okay, Sawyer, you mentioned his name. Let's talk about him. Tevin Brown, career high thirty three points, just gets scorching there at the end of the first half and, and all all the second half, and just just an unreal performance to match Malachi Smith thirty six on the other side. brings 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 it in games where you know his other. His other two-headed monster of K.J. Williams didn't, like we said, didn't have it. And Tevin steps up and, and gives arguably the, the biggest performance of his career so far. Yeah, Tevin is writing a legendary
0: story right now as a racer. Um, he's a guy who's playing like he wants to have his jersey hung in the rafters. I mean, 33 points, nine rebounds. He drew seven fouls. It was just an outstanding performance. And, you know, I think that it's time that we start talking about is Tevin an NBA type of guy. Um, and I think that he's proving it on the defensive end. I think his body needs a little bit of work, but he's obviously proving it on the offensive end, the way the game is flowing, um, transitioning and, you know, in a night where it didn't, we didn't know if, if KJ was going to outscore his Jersey number, we had to have him do what he did and he brought it. And this is not something that's going to go away. It's something that he's showcased that this is going to stick for the rest of the season. And, I hope you guys on the props contest had Tevin Brown as OVC player of the year. Cause that's where we're headed.
1: Yeah. One thing that, um, over the years you, you hear from pro scouts and, and general managers say they look for is guards that can shoot the three. Well, last year he, he had a down year obviously, but he's shooting mid 40% this year from three. Um, he's got the size. He plays hard on defense, it's hard to, to think that he's not an NBA player. Um, uh, no, no offense to Shaq, but he's a better basketball player than Shaq Buchanan was. And Shaq had a little stint in the, the NBA. The only thing that would concern me is this is his fifth year of college basketball. And, um, they value youth so much in the NBA that they would rather have a, a 17 or 18 year old kid that's that's kind of untested rather than um, than somebody that's 23 years old coming out of school but the, make no bones about it he is 1000% capable of becoming an an nba player
0: yeah I, I think that you're right about that in regards to the draft but i have seen i saw an article recently that, that showcased that nba teams are looking for players that have the experience now over the youth, as far as having them on their actual roster, yeah, the average age of an NBA roster has has like increased this year, um, due to the fact that the G League has got some some is become a lot better is in regards to you know the actual per enhancing performance. They're putting their young guys in the in the G League longer, which is allowing these older, more experienced guys who can actually impact in the NBA games now the opportunity to play and this is Tevin's got the intangibles to do what he needs to do to help an NBA team, you know, right away or shortly thereafter. Yeah. You look at
1: Chris Duarte who played for Oregon last year. Well, not last year for many years and came out of the draft. And, um, I believe he was a first rounder if I'm not mistaken, but, um, people were kind of saying, you know, why are we taking a kid that's 23 years old? Um, with our first round pick and he's had a great season so far. I, I don't follow the, the NBA all that closely, but I know at the start of the season, um, people were wondering why they didn't take him sooner.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at a guy like campaign. He's been around for forever. Um, he just had to find the right fit. And um, I know that there's, there's 29 NBA teams that would love to have him on their roster.
2: It's just really hard to teach that shooting stroke. So that's, that's the kind of thing that, that transfers really well. You don't always see the body transfer or uh, anything like stuff like that, but uh, shooting shooting typically, especially from the outside, uh, guys like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson that that shot it really well in college are still doing it nowadays, obviously, Steph, just breaking the record.
1: And one thing that will never show up in the box score with Tevin, but it's evident when you watch him play, um, when his first few shots don't fall – like like KJ for the other night, um, for instance. Slow start, you can tell he was just super frustrated. Tevin, when he starts slow, it just kind of fires him up. He doesn't, you know, kind of quit or, or pout or anything. He actually goes out there and, and plays harder and, and looks to get that first shot to fall. So something that, you know, hopefully an intangible um, that you guys were talking about that um, hopefully draft uh, experts and scouts can pick up on
0: yeah moving back into the second half um huge shout out we asked for a a a major step up in this department and the sixth man for the racers the crowd brought it on saturday night we heard all those chants back at the bank that we hadn't heard in, in in a few in this whole season and the players were absolutely feeding off of the vibe the crowd was giving um you know, it was it was great to see, you know, Coach McMahon even gave one of the the heralded Steve Prome, Get out of your seats. And all of Racer Nation did so and provided that lift to take it, take us where we were down, you know, 11 to up 16. That's that's a huge swing against a team who's a, you know, a top 10 mid-major program. Uh, just a few other general observations for me. Blakely, I don't think you gave D.J. Burns enough credit. Man, Garden, one of the top mid-major big men uh, out there, getting him in foul trouble. You said it, but I want to say it again. He has seven fouls – I'm sorry, five fouls defensed. Um, He only took two shots in 33 minutes. Two shots. But he truly impacted the game. We loved back in the day to hear the media and, and the coaches talk about a certain player for the Racers who did a lot of great things on the court, but it didn't show up in the stat sheet. Well, D.J. Burns is proving you can do both, and this is what it looks like. And you know, seven rebounds, five of them offensive. He just does all the all the small things right. He even had four assists and a steal. That's just huge. Um, and so I wanted to make sure we gave him all the credit that he he needs because his his effort and intensity is is not going unnoticed. And then again, you know, Juice bringing it again, eighteen points, timely threes. Um, when the racers needed the offense, you know, Logan and I saw this at the game, you know, firsthand, you may not have been able to see it on television, but um, they ran, the, they ran their zipper action and they had Trey at the top as the point guard because they had to use juice as one of the outlets to be able to shoot the three. And I don't think anyone would have called that last year, just seeing what was on the court. And he was knocking down open threes, playing great in the open floor. Juice is playing so well, and he's just going to keep getting better
2: all throughout the season. I'm so encouraged by that. DJ just has something about him where where he just finds the ball when it comes off off the backboard or off the rim. Uh, there was a couple times the other night I just he just out hustles. I saw him go around DeSouza like once or twice to get an offensive rebound, and he's just got that nose, and that's another thing that it's really hard to teach. And what makes really great big men is to know where the ball is going to come off the off the basket at on a miss. And we talked about chattanooga being one of the greatest offensive rebounding teams in the country in the country uh rebounding over 40 42 to 45 percent of their missed shots and what do the racer big men do they hold them to seven offensive rebounds that's a 25 percent clip and then the racers come back and 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 grab 11 themselves which was you know four more than the, the seven of chattanooga so th- I guarantee you, the coaches were were challenging the big men. Hey, you know this is a great rebounding team coming in, and you've got an opportunity to show them how good or, how good we are. And you know, looking at the stats, we are one of statistically the better offensive rebounding teams in the country as well. But to cut that forty something percent number down to to twenty five, that's a lot of possessions that the Racers got back that that Chattanooga is usually. Uh, that they're used to having. Yeah, I mean, DJ had five on his own, and they only had seven
0: altogether. I mean, that's just that's just crazy. And you can, Logan, I know you mentioned this before, but you can just tell he loves to be in a Murray State racer uniform. And it's it's so much fun to watch a guy who truly has pride in that and wants to be here, and it's just showing on the court.
1: Absolutely. He seems to be somebody that's so likable on the team. And one thing I noticed was how – much joy like all of our team has for playing with each other. We've heard rumors that last year it wasn't the case and it kind of showed on the court. Um, But this year when they're actually having fun and enjoy playing with each other, it shows up in the win column as well. And I know we're kind of going long on this, but uh, one thing that I would have liked to have seen us do in the second half, we did it once in the Memphis game. But when Tevin catches fire, we set these down screens for him and it's him and a big on one side of the court. And after he hits a couple in a row against Memphis, we have McMullen slip the screen and get a wide open layup because the, his man and Tevin's man are both running out to prevent having another three hit. I would have liked to have seen us use KJ on uh, Saturday night in that position to where at that point, I don't know if he had scored. Um, but midway through the second half, if you could get him a wide open dump to kind of get him in the groove. Because if you're going Tevin Brown for Malachi Smith and and they're just going back and forth, it's kind of a toss-up game. If if everybody else isn't playing all that well. But if you got KJ uh, on his game too, then racers are dang near unbeatable at the bank and so really would have liked to see him get some easy buckets and be put in a rhythm to where he could succeed
0: Yeah, yeah i i agree to that um but that that is a perfect segue into what i wanted to talk about next which was you know our baby stab buckets around the basket index racers dropped their second game in a row in that department 38 32 um still come out with the win, which is outstanding. Um, but I want to give a lot of credit, you know, to their bigs for execution, but also, you know, just their reputation. Uh, the reason why I say that is, you know, the racers bigs outside of KJ combined for three makes. Um, and most of KJ's came at the end of the night when the game was pretty much already decided. So, um, you know, Logan, I know that you're a big X's and O's guy like myself. So, you know, going in a little bit further in depth, you know, there's a lot of racer basketball venues out there. So I know they probably know what we're talking about, but I had written down what exactly what you talked about about your favorite play is that block to block roller where they always end up getting KJ wide open for the layup or slipping the screen and dunking
1: every time.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's that play where the ball gets whipped around and they come off a back screen and he's wide open for a layup. But those plays specifically rely on our smaller guards to set an effective screen on the opposing big man and their big men are massive. So, doing that, taking them out of the play are the two reasons where I guess we didn't have that in play as much on Saturday night.
1: So, uh, not to skip to the next game, but how are we going to do that against Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler?
0: Well, I mean, I think that that's that's a great point because, you know, that was where I was gonna go to next, you know, instead of doing that, instead of relying on some of those things, you know, we used our we just relied on our stagger back set, which just let us have the big set high screens, essentially just a variation of the one four high look that you see, you know, across all of college basketball. And it led to so many wide open or lightly contested threes because they were going over every single screen. Um and on Saturday night or on Wednesday night when we get into we play Auburn, I think there's some different things we can get into and the X's and O's with that that'll play into the racers favor outside of having to worry about some of those things. Um and actually I think that using our guards to screen night might actually be a good thing. But we can save
2: that unless y'all are ready to jump into it. I'll save that for one second. I wanted to wrap up the we can and I'll just wrap up Chattanooga talk here. You brought up Juice and I want to highlight him a little bit more. How effective he's been this year shooting the three point shot. He's shooting forty-four percent from three. Guess who's also shooting forty-four percent from three? Uh Tevin Brown. So you've got two of your starting point of your starting three guards that are shooting forty ish 45 ish percent from three and that's uh that that's a lot of winning basketball and and you talk about logan you you mentioned something about how the racers are going to win a lot of games when you got multiple guys going you know we score 87 that that puts our scoring average up to 86 points for the year i we we score 53 in the second half alone chattanooga was giving up 60 a game coming in coming into this and same when we played Middle Tennessee they were giving up around 60ish points a game i we don't have to have this conversation right now cuz this is already running long <laughs> as we've mentioned but this could be one of the greatest offenses in Murray State recent history at least if if we can keep up scoring 85 plus points a game i think that's a conversation to be had but uh, you know we're only eleven games into the season, so let's let's save that talk for a little little later down the road, but uh, I, I think it's worth mentioning at least. So really great win for the racers, really great booster in, in the in the in the ratings and the rankings and all that stuff you look at. But I tell you what would be a really great boost in the ratings, a win this Wednesday night against auburn december twenty second at listen to this, five o'clock pm. 5 o'clock p.m. Don't miss that in case you're waiting to watch it at 7 or something. So make sure you get your work done early on Wednesday. Nobody's going to be doing anything this week anyway with it being before Christmas. So make sure you're at home to turn on the SEC network. The first chance the nation or most of the nation who gets SEC network gets to watch the racers um, in person play a, oh, I would say pretty decent Auburn team, Logan. Uh, Tell us just how good, good they are. Yeah, they're
1: just fantastic, top to bottom. They've got Wendell Green Jr., who we know from EKU. Um, They Walker Kessler, transfer from North Carolina. I looked today per 40 minutes, he's blocking about six and a half shots per 40 minutes. Um, Jabari Smith, highly touted freshman who is going to be one of the top picks of the draft. K.D. Johnson, a transfer from Georgia. I believe if he actually had a Nick, he could be an NBA prospect. If he was just a little bit taller. He's uh, about 5'11 and not a point guard, but he goes in there and, and can score and, and produce on both sides of the floor. Uh, Devin Cambridge, they're they're just loaded with talent. Um, another great team for Bruce Pearl. and um, Just going to be a real tough test for us.
2: I don't think you can overstate the the job Bruce Pearl has done at Auburn. He, he's he's gotten some a great amount of talent in there to a historically football school, and I think it's great for the SEC that you've seen two great football programs in Alabama and Auburn both really take take advantage of their basketball programs as well, and uh, both are you know top ten teams this year really. And like you were saying, we're we're going to be faced with some really good talent. Jabari Smith, uh, a lot of boards right him right now have him going number one in the draft next year. It's it's still a long, long way to go, but he's averaging, leading them with 16.5 points a game, seven rebounds, shoots 45% from the field, 45% from three, and 84% from the free throw line. Uh, he's a 6'10", uh, 220 freshman uh, from Georgia. So Auburn is in Alabama, if my geography class serves me correct. He's their first player from Georgia. Then you go down here to uh, Katie Johnson, like you said, six foot uh, sophomore, 13.7 points per game, uh, around one assist, two and a half steals a game, though. Very good. Puts pressure on the ball. He's from Georgia. All right, let's go down here to, let's skip Wendell Green. We'll come back to him. Walker Kessler, like you mentioned, Logan, I think we talked about him in that second episode. Seven one two forty five sophomore uh, top twenty recruit back in twenty twenty transferred from North Carolina. Uh, guess where he's from? Georgia. So just amazing to see a guy like Bruce Pearl uh, from Alabama go to Georgia and pretty much steal all their talent. Uh, that's that's kind of I don't know. I thought that was a funny little uh, funny little insert there. But uh, Walker Kessler is averaging nine point two. Uh, 7.3 rebounds a game, 39 blocks, uh, and just to put that in perspective, right now our leading our leader in block shots is Tevin Brown with nine on the year. So shows you how much he affects around the basket. Obviously, he's seven foot one, uh, so he will do that. Uh, kind of cool too. Comes from a basketball family. His dad was an NBA draft pick out of Georgia. His uncle. Was a ninth pick in the 1990 NBA draft out of Georgia and is their second leading scorer of all time. And then his brother played at um, Houston from 2013 to 2017. And then now Walker, you know, went to North Carolina and now is at is Auburn. So uh, he's got the pedigree there. And then Logan, like you said, Wendell Green Jr., we got to see him last year play for EKU. Second time we will be playing in EKU transfer this year, as we saw uh, DeAndre Dishman have. Uh, at Middle Tennessee, but uh, he's averaging 11.6. He actually comes off the bench from them, but plays like the third most minutes on the team. So, uh, kind of a Trey Hannibal type where he's coming off the bench, but getting more playing time than our starters. Um, racers saw him last year in a 76 64 win, one of our four road wins last year. And uh, what did he do? He put up 24 against the Racers with eight assists. So, wow, Sawyer. That's a lot to take in, and they might be getting Allen Flanagan back, 6'6 guard, who's going to return, maybe, from a, maybe return from an Achilles injury. He averaged 14.3 points per game last season, so there's more scoring coming back into the roster that already averages north of 80 points a game. So I think it might be one of those deals where if the Racers are knocking down the three ball, Auburn's playing their game, uh, you know, might want to take the over. Yeah, their roster is really impressive. Um, a few things that, that I
0: think we need to mention, you know, like you said, Jabari Smith, top three prospect, Walker Kessler. He averages almost four blocks a game. The Racers average as a team 3.06 blocks a game. So he averages more blocks a game individually than the Racers do as a team. Uh, and also one other guy on the roster that we need to mention is Chris Moore, um, who's a forward for them. Uh, played for Marcus Brown um, in Memphis, Memphis and uh, was a was a role player for them. Um, but it's seen a lot of hasn't seen a lot of action so far for the Tigers this offseason. Future racer. Yeah, hopefully he will. He can see the writing on the wall that, you know, a place like Auburn, you know, they recruit really highly and sometimes you get over recruited. I think there's a there would always be a home for him in God's country of Murray, Kentucky. Um, The way you know, the the, the Tigers haven't played a, a a necessarily a gauntlet of a schedule so far. They have wins against Morehead, first game of the season. Louisiana Monroe, South Florida, who's not very good this year. They lost to to UConn, um, in double overtime. They beat Loyola Chicago um, in a in a low scoring game. Um, in their in the MTE, they're playing down in the Bahamas. They beat a bad Syracuse team, um, UCF, Yale, Nebraska, who's one of the worst teams in D1, uh, no, North Alabama, and then they had a really close contest at St Louis um, this past Saturday. Um, so some of the things that kind of jump off the jump off the page to me, they aren't the greatest shooting team. Um, they're in the mid 150s as far as field goal percentage. So they kind of and, and looking into them a little bit, they really struggle with shot selection. They have a really good team, but they've got a lot of guys that uh, that take some questionable shots at times. But you have that with with a lot of potential. Um, so if the Racers can limit them to one shot per possession, I think that's going to be key to mounting an upset. Um, watching the the tape on them this weekend versus SLU, um had a really tough time guarding uh, people driving to the basket. Uh, Slew was able to drive on them quite a bit, drew, drew a lot of fouls. Um, and, you know, as we mentioned, with Walker Kessler, you know, he averages almost four blocks a game, but Auburn is number two in the country in block shots, which leads to a lot of, as we said when we talked about Memphis, trying to block a lot of shots, a lot of offensive rebounds. So for context, this weekend, Slew, uh, St. Louis University, had 19 offensive rebounds themselves. Auburn only had 19 defensive rebounds. So on the offensive side of the floor, St. Louis had just as many rebounds as Auburn did. Um, So the Racers being a great offensive team, obviously we're going to have a little bit of size deficiency, but if we can play with a high motor, um, our guys can get in there. Um, They have Walker Kessler, who's really big. The rest of their guys are pretty comparable. Jabari Smith uh, is what you want in a three. He's a great shooter. He's 6'10. He gets to the basket. So um, that'll probably be an assignment for Tevin. Um, but there's, there's an opportunity for the Raptors to do something here. Um, Logan, I know you wanted to get into the X's and O's a little bit. <clears throat> and, and I think that kind of describes why I think we have a chance um, because, you know, on the defensive side of the basketball, I think that we're, we can catch them sleeping a little bit. Um, you know, there was a little bit of an issue potentially, maybe probably not, um, with our guards setting screens on their bigs. But as long as we can keep moving the basketball, get them out of position, I think that our bigs can have a little bit of a different opportunity to score against Auburn, um, although the contest will be pretty similar to what we saw against Chattanooga.
1: Yeah, one thing that I would really like to see is KJ kind of regress back towards the mean and force Walker Kessler to be away from the basket. Hopefully he can get out and hit a couple threes. We know that... Um, when he starts out and, and makes his first three or, or second three that he takes, it, it usually bodes well for him. And so that'd be huge if we could get him away from the basket and make it to where our guards could drive. Juice always likes to drive, and we, we seal off the lane for him. And um, just much easier when you don't have a seven foot one, 245
2: pound shot blocking machine down there. Talk about them maybe being asleep. I think that's another opportunity the racers have. Is they came off an emotional win against Slew, a game that they were they were actually down 13 points with with just a, about nine minutes to go and and mounted a, a really nice comeback for them. That's that's another game Slew kind of blows at the end. They they had Belmont beat and kind of kind of blew that game that I got to see in person up here in yep. St. Louis. But um, come off an emotional win right before christmas they've got lsu right after christmas which is you know statistically might be one of the best teams in the sec this year and so you know you talk about those trap games a lot of time it's it's us talking about them for the racers but this might be one of those situations where it's a trap game from auburn you think that but then you can also think back bruce pearl you know is going to have them fired up and and there's history there i mean they they came here a few years ago and we're really close to to getting beat and then we we went down there a couple years ago and and played a really tough game down there so you know this three game series we need to take at least one of them so let's let's make it this year i i think but saw your another thing you mentioned around around fouls as well you know they average a little over 20 fouls per game and so if the racers can go in there and and draw fouls and get a guy like um walker kessler in, in foul trouble or Jabari Smith, that's that's a huge opportunity for us. And this is one of those games where free throws can come back to bite us, just like it did against ETSU, these higher-level basketball games where there is little room for mistake, little room for error. The racers need to be knocking down their free throws like we did this last Saturday night. We need to be walking, knocking down three-pointers at a 35-plus percent clip, and we cannot turn the ball over more than uh, – I'm going to put the number at – Eleven and a half. If we can have less than that, shoot thirty-five percent plus from three, and let's just say I don't think we have to out-rebound them. I think if we keep the rebounding within five-ish, um, I think the racers, the racers. I think those are the key stats for the racers to look at to to be able to pull out a victory. Yeah, I, I think that you know looking. I think
0: that the 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 Auburn playing slew this weekend was huge because their roster is actually a little bit smaller than Murray State. It's talking about St. Louis and they out rebounded Auburn 46 to 27. Um, they shot 23% from the three point line. They only hit four threes. And, you know, I think that they have, I think honestly, it's not a stretch. I think that we're better than St. Louis. I mean, Auburn went into their house and beat them. And, you know, I don't think that's any stretch at all. And I think that, they have laid the foundation to to prove that there is an opportunity for us to go out and get a win on uh, on Wednesday night. Their leading rebounder for St. Louis earlier this week was a six foot guard, and six foot is probably putting it uh, putting it nicely, probably more like five ten. He had twelve rebounds. So um, I think there's a there's a huge opportunity as we said against the Memphis game. This is going to be another one of the racer Super Bowl type of games. They're going to come out ready to play. They're going to be ready to fight. And, you know, if we can catch them right before Christmas, like you said, Austin, in a trap situation, there's no better chance than than right now.
1: So a side note here, you're saying that they had how many rebounds as a team? 42?
0: St. Louis had 46 rebounds as a team.
1: And their leading rebounder had five rebounds? 12. Okay. I thought you said five rebounds. I was about to did say that. Blakely,
0: did you hear me say 12? Okay.
1: Okay, I don't know where I got that from, but that was another...
0: Yeah, that math would ...Racer matter.
1: Joe D's uh, measure of balance if they have 46 rebounds and their leading rebounder has five boards.
2: Hey, we, we don't claim to be perfect here on the Racer Nation podcast. <laughs> that's an optional
1: Never have, never will. <laughs>
2: Either way, uh, one... One number we can't mess up is is what a good opportunity this is for the racers in in terms of the net ranking. As we know, that's something they look at big time when it comes to March and seating and and bids and all that stuff. And and after after tomorrow Wednesday, I guess it'll be tomorrow when you're listening to this podcast. If you listen to it on the day it comes out, uh, racers aren't going to have a lot more opportunity to improve their net rating. And uh, you know, we sorry we should have gotten a big bump. From that Chattanooga win, because they were top 30 in the net, if if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, you know, the RPI is out. The net is in, in regards to how they seed people for the tournament uh, come March and how uh, at-large bids are given. A real head-scratcher happened this week with the net. Um, We entered this weekend uh, with number 38. We beat a Chattanooga team who was ranked number 43, and somehow Indiana leapfrogged us to take our spot at 38, and we dropped to 40. Um, you may ask, who did Indiana knock off to jump us in the ratings? Well, they beat Notre Dame, who's ranked number 134 by six points. So they're 9-2. and two, We're 10-1. and one. We have the same amount of quality wins across the board. Actually, ours are higher. The only way I can see the the, the, the formula calculating them to be ranked ahead of us is their two losses they've lost against Syracuse and Wisconsin. But I don't understand why you would reward a team for their losses just because they had them on the schedule. You should grade teams by their wins with the teams they have on the schedule. Um, if that was the process, there's no way this this would have been flipped. and um, It's honestly really concerning, Austin, as you mentioned, because for the rest of the schedule – our strength of schedule is going to drop off drastically after this weekend. So getting a win against Auburn would be huge. Um, And it's this weekend only proves the net is still just as flawed as the RPI was.
1: So you're basically asking them to stop the count.
0: Yeah. After we win on Saturday
2: or on Wednesday against Auburn, let's just uh, shut it down. Well, you say shut it down, and unfortunately that might be a possibility with everything that's going going around college basketball right now. i take it back. i take it back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, be careful what you wish for, because um, that's that's one thing not to spoil our sauce selection. That's one of my wishes going into the new year is uh, that college basketball keeps on rolling. So we mentioned sauce selection. I think that's going to wrap up our Auburn talk. And this is a segment we have not had in a few weeks. We've been so busy with with games and big wins, and we, we've been talking a lot about racer basketball. And, and we've kind of pushed off saw selection just to keep the episodes manageable. But since it is Christmas week, uh, we only have one game coming up, and you're probably not going to hear from us. You know, since we're doing this episode early in the week uh, to, to accommodate the Auburn game and Christmas, you guys are probably not going to hear from us till. Uh, most likely next Wednesday or so. And you guys got plenty of time to listen to an hour-plus-long podcast. And so we wanted to throw in a special sauce selection with this holiday season coming up. Sawyer, let's uh, pose the question to us, and let's get some good discussion going. Yeah, so we hope that everyone across
0: Russian Nation has a very Merry Christmas. And what better way to to lead our discussion towards Christmas than... To hear everyone's Christmas list from Santa, what do you want from Santa for the racer basketball program for the rest of the season or into the future? So I'll pass it over to, to Austin. You can, you can talk about what you want. What's at the top of your list. And we can kind of all uh, briefly talk about what we want this year for Christmas as a racer fan.
2: Well, I think it's uh real easy to get, get greedy around this time of year, but you know, we've got to be thankful for what we all have and how blessed we are in racer basketball. and, we're in such a unique situation here in Murray, Kentucky. It's 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 easy to start looking at the bigger and better things, but uh, that's the first thing I want to say is just just how thankful that 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 I am that we have this opportunity and have this platform to to talk about the racers we love so much. But that's notwithstanding that if I'm if I'm at Kentucky Oaks Mall there in Paducah and I'm standing in line to go talk to Santa Claus and or Racer Claus if we want to you know in this context. I've got a few things on the list. You know, I wouldn't be too upset if, uh, you know, John Morant 2.0 walked through the door of the CFSB Center next year, and uh, you know, I, I could take another top two draft pick. That that wouldn't upset me too much, and uh, honestly, wouldn't be too upset if Coach Kane walked back through the door too. He's a he's a guy that we all love, and you know, to get the John Morants of the world, you got to have the James Kanes of the world. So uh, I think that's another thing. But you know, if there was Santa said or Racer Claw said, you know, you can't you can't have those things, Austin. I would say, Santa, just please bring me a sweet 16. That is one thing that all Racer fans have wanted. We've had teams that were very well positioned in the past to do it. And, you know, other circumstances didn't allow that to happen. I think we've got the talent. We've got the leadership. We've got the players this year that if, if we get the right matchup that first weekend in March – I think we've got the we've got the the horses as we like to say we've got the horses to take us to the second weekend, so guys that's that's my wish list. Merry Christmas.
1: those are some big asks, but you know I wouldn't be mad if Santa came through with all three of those things or any one of them for that fact um for me, mine's kind of simple, but on the court, I would like to see us get into our offense quicker on Saturday night. Me and Sawyer sat there and we looked up at the clock when basically uh our guards were breaking to get into this set we were running and there was thirteen seconds left on the shot clock. And you're just at that point almost wasting possessions because if you if your first and second progression doesn't hit then you're backing the ball up top and and waiting on Tevin or Juice to hopefully hit a twenty-five foot three or or make a shot for somebody else and there was a game earlier this year at Illinois state and I'm not one to go back and watch um, tape or anything, but I had to go back um, because there was this one play with four minutes left. It's a single digit game. The game's not out of hand and we walked about, walk the ball down the court and do not make a single pass the entire possession. And we're kind of, walking around the top of the key and then Juice shoots a, a three with twenty five seconds into the shot clock. And um, that that just about drove me nuts. But anyways, I, I wish we could uh get into our offense quicker. I guess that's my my wish for, for the coaching staff to to draft that up for our team in conference play. But um, another thing that I wish for our team is that the fans would show up. Sawyer mentioned that Um, Saturday night was the best our fans have, have been in almost two years. And, uh, it's the truth, but in the first half, I don't think so. Um, second half, we kind of came alive and we actually heard our first let's go racers and and first defense chant in a long time. Um, but there was a point in the first half where Carter Collins was shooting a three right in front of us and, (laughs) It was quiet, and I said, "Please, Carter," and I it kind of like echoed, and I, I was like, "Oh gosh, yeah, I feel like it should have been a little bit louder than that." If our guys got a wide open three, hopefully our fans are getting out of their seats. But um, yeah, I guess that's that's what I would I would wish for. We got a really good team, and I just want our fans to come out and show them support.
0: Yeah, guys, those are really great points. Uh, definitely things that uh, we should think about. Blakely, you know, we we are definitely so blessed to have the program that we have here, and and you know, that's that's the important part. Like Logan's mentioned, is you know, we're a part of that. You know, is is as, as fans, and and that's what's really exciting. So hopefully, we can get back to the get back to the bank. So, you know, before before I get into mine, you know, I'm looking at all these list of Christmas songs and how they all tie in with racers. You know, I mean. This truly is the most wonderful time of the year. November, whenever Racer Basketball comes into play, it's perfect. You got the Run Rudolph Run, Run Racers Run. It's a perfect segue. You got <laughs> Little Saint Nick. I want Little Saint Nick McMullen to go off second half today. And at the end of the year, I hope that we find some mistletoe in the national championship together, so we can do a little kissing on that thing. Um, that that's what I would that's what I would wish for.
2: Oh, that's perfect.
0: But, uh, but for me, you know, as far as my wish list, I would love for the racers to get a top 100 to recruit. How much fun would that be? Uh, we already follow our recruits so well, but having someone, you know, in the national spotlight that we could follow as a fan base, that would be so much fun. Um, really capitalizing on the jaw effect, uh, something that, that I think I would love to have as a racer fan for Christmas. So
2: hopefully, uh, Racer Claws will come through for us. Sorry, what a great, great sauce selection right here before Christmas. And, and like we always say, guys, you, all of our listeners have been great about interacting with us on Twitter and Facebook. So uh, give us your guys' this Christmas list. I, I know Twitter world has kind of been crazy. We kind of had another tweet go, you know, semi-viral, not, not quite Jaw Morant status, but uh, I tweeted yesterday that I was, I was at the, uh, the NBC meeting. And as you guys know, we're three idiots who, just talk about racer basketball on a podcast in no way or form would I ever be invited to that meeting. But I, th- I think actually some people took it serious and it ended up getting like tens of thousands of views on Twitter. So uh trust me guys, I was not there. I I did go by the office and take my picture, but that was maybe two months ago and just been kind of sitting on that picture to uh, for a funny time to put it out. So uh trust me, I wish I had I wish I had the inside scoop on what went down yesterday, but uh from our sources, what they're saying is uh, it was positive for the racers
0: yeah absolutely um that that was hilarious that uh people took it so seriously. that was a lot of fun, um, but everyone knows that if you were in attendance, that would have been in great hands because you would have brought the goods and would have given a outstanding uh, speech as to why Murray state should be a part of the Missouri Valley conference. Before we move into move on to Logan's listener of the week, I had one more thing that I think I wanted for Christmas. And I, I know Logan and I both want this really bad. Um, but if they ever make available, you may not have been able to see it on TV, but the coaching staff has, and the players are wearing these new Nike Kentucky strong Murray state Nike shirts. They're outstanding. If they ever make those available at the bookstore, I hope we as racer nation buy the whole stock out of them um, because those are so cool. I uh, love it, <clears throat> and I hope that maybe I can get one for Christmas.
2: I promise you that we can see those on TV because I I turned to my fiance and said the exact same thing, and uh, she mentioned she was like, "Man, it'd be cool if Nike just uh, made them, and then all the all the proceeds that they sell those shirts go go back to the tornado relief fund." And I think that's something they could raise thousands of dollars doing because they are a slick design. And uh, I would I would be rocking one as well. And I know you would, too, Logan. So that'd be something really cool. Maybe we can, uh, you know, we know there's a lot of folks from the athletic department that listen to the pod here. So hopefully that can get in the right hands and, uh, you know, they can act on that. Logan, let's swing it around to you. Going to close out this episode with your Christmas version of Logan's Listener of the Week. If it's Santa Claus, just go ahead and tell us now.
1: It's not Santa this week. Um, But before I do that, I want to give an update to the props contest. Um, Right now, we have a dead heat up top. We've got three people tied for first. And those three people are David Carmen, Jason McKendry, and Landon Russell. And another thing that I found interesting we had, of course, thousands of people submit um, entries to this. And one person picked that we would beat Memphis. And who was that? It was Sweet June Welter. And I'm going to clap it up for Sweet June. And i tell you what, she's picked us to beat Auburn too. So she's our good luck charm. Hopefully she's, uh, she's right on that one as well. But my listener of the week, Sawyer helped me out with this one. Um, it was somebody that we, we saw from afar at the, the game Saturday night, but he made himself, uh, known and and was very vocal about his, uh, his thoughts for, and pride for the racers. And that is Jay Nemo
0: of Marshall County. Jay was given the business to the officials on Saturday night. Just
1: absolutely letting him have it. And and we loved it. I feel like he was the only one in the first half with a little bit of energy. And he really brought the heat that night. Um, right now, he's, it, for those that don't know Jay, uh, just a golf prodigy in Region 1. Now playing at Mississippi State uh, for now until we can get him on with the racers. But um, just great showing from Jay. Glad he, uh, he was in the in attendance on saturday night and and hope he can come to some more games
0: yeah it was great to see i think that he might have single-handedly sparked the fire uh, that lit the racers to get come back in the first half so that was a no-brainer listener of the week so congratulations to you
2: well as always we appreciate uh everyone for listening and sticking it out this far we hope everyone has a great christmas a great new year and can enjoy a racer win on Wednesday night. That would be a great Christmas present for all of Racer Nation. Like we said last week, for a programming note, next week we are going to have the one and only Kenny Roth of the Racer Radio Network on the show with us to kind of wrap up our first half of the season, look back at some of the highlights of the non-conference, and then also look forward to uh, what we can uh, what we can expect in OVC play. Kenny's going to have some. Really great insight as he spends all the time with a team on the road. Got to spend three days with the guys down in Naples and he's gonna be able to hopefully have a few nuggets for us that uh, we're not, you know, not always privy to. So really, really looking forward to having Kenny on. And then like I mentioned next week or last week, we uh we've got, got our next big interview set up. So we're really looking forward to that to start of the year. And guys, with that, I think that'll be all. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas and Sawyer, send them all go racers go racers go racers